Welcome to Foundation and Family, the Erica Diaz Show, where real estate wisdom meets family life. I'm Erica Diaz, here to share stories, insights, and inspiration for building homes and nurturing hearts. Let's dive in together. Welcome to Foundation and Family. Today, we are going to focus on lending in Q4 for 2023. And I am so lucky to have guests with me today, Zach and Ryan from Home First Lending. So we're going to dive right in and talk about the challenges that we face in the marketplace for the rest of this year and what we predict for next year. So Zach, tell me what your predictions are for 2024 and Q4 for 2023. Yeah, well, I mean, right now it's it's actually things have settled down, right, a little bit, which is great. So my predictions are things that are going to be looking more positive for people that are interested in uh, getting into a home or maybe selling and getting into the next home. I think about a month ago, it was a little bit more doom and gloom, right? Uh, interest rates were headed over 8%. In fact, I saw some people get an 8% rate, and now interest rates are settled down in the high sixes, low sevens. And I think it's a great sign of the economy and what's to come. But as you know, we see things on every side, right? People say, hey, don't get excited too soon. And others say that, hey, the Fed's going to cut rates, which means that there's going to be positive downward momentum on interest rates. But if I had to guess or make a prediction, my prediction is that if things just stay the same as they're now, it'll be very positive for us. Yeah. So are you seeing rates and you're able to lock rates into the sixes right now? Yeah, in fact, uh, we're we're the last couple of deals this past week. I've been able to see a six in front of it, depending on their program, how much they're putting down, uh, whether it's conventional or FHA. But rates are in the sixes. But in fact, a lot of people don't even realize that you can get a much much lower interest rate through some of the unique programs that are out there. Yeah. So how would they get a much much lower interest rate with unique programs? Well, let me ask you a question. Do you think rates are high? Well, my first mortgage was at 13%. Mm-hmm. So, what no. year was that? Uh, we bought a house in 2000. I'm just kidding. I'm not trying to age uh, okay. you or anything. Yeah, yeah. So, but that I had an 80 20. Uh-huh. So, that was on the 20. Uh, didn't go well, by the way. <laughs> so, I understand why that product is, may doesn't exist now yeah. and like the rates aren't there. But even on the current house that I live in, I have a mortgage that at the time was a 7% interest rate. Okay. So what would, so would you say that most Americans believe that interest rates are high? That's not a yes, trick question. Yes. Most Americans believe that interest rates are high right now. Okay. So where do you think most people or psychologically, if you got a 7% rate today and it was too high for you, where would you want to see that interest rate in order for it to make sense for you? So I think based on my clientele mm-hmm. that they think the fives are normal and average, but there is this major misconception that these twos exist yeah. because they did one time in all of eternity. Yeah, we might never see that in our lifetime again. But right. it's funny you say the fives because I read a recent article, I think it was on one of these websites like you know Yahoo Finance or MSNBC, and they actually interviewed people who were interested in selling their home and also interviewed people that were interested in potentially buying a home. And they found that most people, as long as they saw a rate in the fives would actually move forward. And the good news is that there are programs out there, like for instance, a temporary rate buy down, which is a unique product where you can get 2% less. It's like an introductory rate for the first year, 1% for the second year. So today's best rate that you can find is a 6.99. Well, guess what? You can get a 4.99% for your first year. And then we talked about all signs are looking towards rates going down, which means that 
yes, you'll have this introductory rate for the first two years, but it's a very high probability to be able to refinance into a rate like right. that forever. I mean, cell phone companies give you that introductory yeah. rate or like your internet company gives you that introductory rate. So I think the lay consumer doesn't realize that they can still achieve that on a mortgage. And that is a game changer for yeah. most, I yeah. think. Now, who are you finding is paying the 2-1 buy down? Um, just for simplicity's sake, I don't think everyone understands that. So let's talk about the 2-1 buy down and who's paying for it, the seller or the buyer? Yeah, you want to talk about that? Yeah, definitely. Um, most of the time what we're seeing is the seller is paying for it on seller concessions. So, you know, theoretically over the last couple of months, what we've seen is a lot of people dropping prices, right? So a lot of agents, their, their strategy to sell the house is to drop the price on the home. So we stepped back and seen, and, you know, this is one of the first times in my career that we started to call listing agents, right? And say, hold on, I think there's, there's some opportunity here. Right. And actually calling a listing agent and saying, hey, let's not drop that price. How about if we created some marketing and market it like these builders are building, right? Like a lot of these builders are, are advertising lower interest rates and introductory rates. How about on the consumer side, we do the same thing. Right. So tell the seller, hey, don't drop that price. Actually offer that into seller concessions. We could use those funds to do the 2-1 buy down, get a lower rate, win-win, everybody's happy. So there's got to be a limit on how much seller concession you can get, correct? Yeah. Depending so, on the loan program. Yeah. So do, <clears throat> off top of your head, like in a conventional loan, what is the max seller contribution you can get? Yeah. So most people put down typically the minimum, right? On a conventional loan is 3 to 5%. And with that, you're looking at a max contribution of 3%. If you put okay. down 10% or more, that contribution can go up, but most people don't do that. And I find a lot of times, unless it's like a distressed home, it might be harder to get 3%. Um, on FHA, you can actually get up to 6%. On VA, you can get up to 4%. Um, it it differs between programs, but most programs require or allow at least 3% in closing costs. So I think the moral of this story is just working with a professional that really understands and stays like in front of the products that are yeah. coming out is so, I mean, instrumental for this market. And, you know, we're coaching clients of Tom Ferry, big fans um he says it's a skill set market so yeah. you really need to align yourself with professionals in that are in it and understand it because we even had one with a major lender that we flipped over to you guys and that relationship wasn't there they were calling up to michigan won't name any names mm. and it was like detroit a, Detroit, Michigan. <laughs> and it was like a round robin of who yeah. you got. And I will say another experience right now that I'm 100% living through is we are going through an assumable mortgage. And that's through another very large carrier. And both buyer and seller cannot get on the same page because they can't get a hold of somebody that is the same person they're going to talk to the next time they call in mm -hmm. the next time. So the relationship aspect of this market is huge. And then the skill set aspect of this market is huge. I agree. Yeah. I think in this market is awesome because you could also set yourself apart from the competition as a real estate agent or a lender because yeah. You know, now when, when we need the skill set, right, yeah. you have to actually bust out your toolbox and yeah. see what kind of tools you have in that box to orchestrate the deal. Um, some agents and lenders are going into that toolbox and realizing I don't even have that much tools. I've just been calling a lot of leads that my broker has been giving me yeah. and not really out there and sharpening my, my, my toolbox. Yeah. So what's your biggest bit of advice for closing out 2023? 
Well, I also, I want to touch real briefly on the deal structure side. And we we're talking about closing costs and stuff. People might not fully understand that. I want to drive home that everybody wants to get a good deal on a house right now, but really go after the seller concessions over a reduced sales price. Because for every 10 grand in purchase price that you think you're negotiating off, it's only about a $60 difference in monthly payment. But if you can take that 10 grand as an example and apply it towards buying down your rate, you could see two, three, four, five, six hundred thousand six hundred dollars a month in savings. It's a massive difference. Yeah. And you see those things online where it's like this purchase price and this, this rate. This rate yeah. or this purchase price and this rate. And it's really hard for sometime the consumer to wrap their brain around mm-hmm. that. I've even seen professionals argue it and say, no, that's not true. And I'm like, but it is true. Yeah. So if your monthly nut is six hundred dollars less that's really what seems to matter right yeah. now. Oh, yeah. You it's know? not even rate. It's monthly payment. Like, I don't think people are really like, oh, 7%. What does that mean? Like, okay, cool. But what's my monthly payment? Right. What can I actually afford? Well, and I think to the other side of that is we had a client call us and they said, um, our landlord's taxes increased significantly and he's not cutting even. So he wants to increase our rent or yeah. sell the house. And so I said, okay, that's fine. But everybody's taxes are going up, right? Especially when you're not homesteaded. So I said, when we move you to another rental, you're going to get that higher rent anyways. You're not really going to see a cost savings. So what happens if we put that towards a mortgage? And when they applied what they were paying in the mortgage with that 2-1 buy-down, they're actually going to be paying less. It was never a creditworthiness issue with that client. It was 8% the world's on fire, run scared, don't do this. But the reality was with that 2-1 buy-down, now they are in the fives. Their payment is less than what they were paying in rent. And they were going to be wasting sixty grand a year in rent, which is wild. But that's where it takes that skill set of your skill set to to tell that story and explain that story to them to where they would understand. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Don't forget to like and subscribe so you can continue receiving these updates on the different content that we cover. Another thing that I really want to talk about that I don't think everybody understands is Hometown Heroes because when it first rolled out, it was different. And now it's a little bit more different. So who wants to take Hometown Heroes and give us like a... Uh, we, we both are actually... Yeah. So okay. yeah, good. You want me to say it? All right. Well, Hometown Heroes is by far the best down payment assistance program. Yeah, and, and real quick, before he finishes, I hate every single program. I'm like, <laughs> I'm, like I'm against the programs, right? Like, look at the fine print. But Hometown Heroes is actually... The first program that I went to the top of the mountain and shouted it out. I love it. Yeah. So Hometown Heroes at first is a program of like, hey, let's help frontline workers, right? Nurses, firefighters, different people get assistance. They were giving them 35000 or 5% of their loan amount, whichever was less. And uh, our, our- That's huge. Wait, yeah. So I, I feel like we say it because we understand yeah. it and we roll through it, but- $35,000. Yeah, let me break, let me break this $35,000. Right? So, like, that's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, at a point, I guess our governor or somebody decided that they want to release more funds and make it available to more people. So they did that. If your standard down payment is 3 to 3.5%, depending on the program, that means that 100% of your down payment is being covered with this program. So if I want to buy a house, well, pretend like I didn't own one. And you have a 640 credit score. And I have a 640 credit score. And I don't have any money. No. The house is 300000 yeah. I made 3% down. That's $9,000. Yes. I don't. I can apply for Hometown Heroes. Yeah, you can apply for Hometown Heroes. You just have to live, uh, well, live, of course, because it's primary residence only. 
and you have to work for a company that has some type of base in Florida. You could be remote, but the company's got to be based out of Florida. And so just breaking it down again, 300,000 purchase price. What do you think the closing costs are on that? Um, on this program, like 3%. So on 300 grand, you're going to put 3% down. So that's what, uh, nine grand. So your loan amount is going to be 291,000. You're going to get 5% of your loan amount. So 291 is, uh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good at math is like somewhere around 14 grand. Right. So, but what I'm, what I'm adding up here is I can buy a house with no money down. Yeah. And, and real quick, I have a question. Can you stack this with other programs? Yeah. So like if you're a veteran, as an example, yeah, you already have zero down, but you got to come out of pocket with closing costs. You can use these funds to pay for your closing costs. Wow. So I've got clients right now that I'm pre-approving. They need four to five grand to the table. They're buying a $300,000 house or a $250,000 house. They're asking the seller to pay the closing costs. They're literally paying nothing out of pocket to get an all. So at the end of the day, if it's zero out of pocket mm-hmm. because of Hometown Heroes, because of the other programs, even if your interest rate is in the sixth, that's 94% less interest than yeah. rental, yeah. right? You because keep your money in the 100%. bank. Yeah, even if your payment's a little higher than what you, you know, are, are, are accustomed to because whatever, interest rates are higher, like your money is safe in your bank. You don't have yeah. to come out of pocket. You could bridge that gap on monthly payments. And yeah. I legit seen a loan estimate. Legit. Legit. Like legit. super legit. Like legit. Yeah, we, we talk about these stories, right? But I literally seen somebody go into a home for like $350. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's insane to me because everyone is like, how are my kids going to buy a home? How are we going to be able to afford a home with the home prices the way that they are? But the reality is with the right programs, with the right people, with the right skill set, you can literally buy a house. I think we had a client of uh, the younger couple out yeah. in um, Mount Dora, yeah. I think, and they literally didn't pay anything. They came to me and said, I want to buy a house. I'm tired of paying rent, but we don't know how much we need to save. And I was like, hold up. Let me get you what you need to the save. The problem is most quick. people don't know about it. Like we're doing a webinar every single week at 630 on Thursday nights until funds run out. We'll always do. It. We've done it. But like enough people don't show up. Let's talk about, well, share that link with us. We'll put the link down in comments so you can attend that webinar. But let's talk about when funds run out. What do you mean when funds run out? So right now, uh, last year or this year, the the state of Florida released $100 million worth of funds. It sold out in 53 days. Uh, they re-released $36 million worth of funds back on November 1st. We're around mid-December when this is coming out, and there's about half of those funds that are used. It's not running out as quickly as it was before, but um, Hometown Heroes actually never went away. It's just that the amount of funds that's available allocated gets reduced. And then in our business, we have something called fallout, meaning if somebody like secures funds, but then their loan doesn't go through, every that's week the there's a little bit replenished. But next year, funds will come out. And I believe this is a program that's going to come around every single year as like people pay off and refinance the state gets to accumulate back those funds and lend them out again. Okay, but there's a limited time. If you want to get advantage of these funds, like you need to reach out to somebody immediately now because they will be gone here in the next few weeks. So even though they might replenish, they might not. And if you want to buy a house, this this is a great window to get thirty five thousand dollars towards buying a house. And then you can build equity. And I think for me, when we bought our first house at 2021, 
it really set us on a great path. And we have been able to buy and sell and buy and sell. And it's literally my largest asset. And it usually is everybody else's. So it's been a way for us to build wealth and build assets. And you're just paying your mortgage, which you were going to be paying rent to live anyway. Many people get caught up on the payment and rate, especially when you could afford something you choose not to. Is, is the worst thing you can do to yourself because the reality is, is yeah, like I have a customer right now that I'm working with your team that they're spending, I think, three grand a month in rent. Their mortgage payment is going to be around four grand. And they're like, I can't do that. But guess what? They can afford it. They make great money, but it's that like sticker shock of ripping off a yeah. Band-Aid. Like if you had a $500 car payment, you don't want to go to a $1,500 car payment. Right. But what they don't realize is that by spending three grand a month in rent, if you really think about this, your $36,000 is yeah. gone in the next year where you're going to save so much money by buying a house and accumulating the wealth you're talking about. Yeah, and stop letting the rate scare you, right? Yeah. Because you know everybody's like, oh, when the rate goes down, when the rate goes down. But you have to remember, when that rate goes down, prices are going to go up, yeah. right? So, you can always refinance. You can't change the price of the house you buy, but you could always refinance. So right now, it's that sweet spot where you could get a seller concessions, negotiated yeah. deal. In, in that market space, I mean, I was absolutely living through it. You guys were too. We were getting the 3% interest rates, but I would put a house on the market just for easy numbers. We put it on for a million. We'd get 1.1 with no questions asked. And, and those people and, are upside down now. Yeah. I paid 25000 for, for my house. Yeah. So the reality is now you're getting them at a market value or a little bit below. You do have that higher interest rate. But I think people don't understand that you can refi that rate. You can't refi the balance. So it's almost a better market to buy than the other one that we came out of, which, I mean, we couldn't breathe. It was 36 offers on houses. Sellers were saying, I want 900. I said, we'll list her a million. They were walking with 1.1. I was like, this is wild. I should sell my house for 5 million. And the the data shows it, right? The data shows what rates have done. The data shows what housing prices have done. So if you look, look, follow the numbers, right? It's there. It's going to get better. The numbers are real. They usually don't lie. Men lie, women lie, numbers don't, right? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, some women. Uh, (laughs) Let's not go down. (laughs) He said men too. Oh, men. Men lie, women lie, numbers don't. Oh, men lie. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. All right. Um, On this week's podcast. (laughs) The podcast name is Foundation and Family. And I feel like this totally relates to foundation and families, building generational wealth, setting that foundation for your future. So how do you guys think that owning a home and growing that wealth sets you up with a good foundation for your families? I love that. I think that, you know, man, how do you unpack this? So you don't know what you don't know. Right. right. And I used to always say I come from a Hispanic family and, you know, my my mom, my dad lives in my grandmother's house that was passed down. My mom doesn't even own a home. Um, So that wasn't even like in my mindset. Right. Until I started to get around different surroundings. I'm like, oh, buying a home. Grace legacy. I remember my first mentor. I'm like, how do I create wealth? And he's like, son, real estate, go out there and get real estate. And like, it sounded great at the time until I actually got my first home. And then I seen like within a year or so, like it went up 20, $30,000. And I'm like, oh, wow. You know, at the time still 20, 30,000 is a lot of money. But at that time I'm like, wow, like this is extraordinary. So 
I think that and you didn't actually work during that. I mean, you worked, but you didn't work to make the twenty thirty thousand. It just does it itself. Exactly. So I just like point like my home now, the yeah. house that I bought, eh, we talked about. Like I paid over price for. I'm up a hundred and change. Yeah, now. you didn't use me as your realtor, but that's okay. You know, listen, you didn't want to give me half my commission back. You know, <laughs> keep going. Keep going. <laughs> um, so I, I just think that it's the foundation, right? And it, you could build so much on having the home, yeah. right? You could pull equity out and go and buy the next yeah. home. Uh, you know, you could rent it out. And go I think that's a whole topic for another podcast yeah. of like house hacking and leveraging that asset to buy more, which talking about your kids, like how is you house hacked? Yeah. Yeah. Well, this also investing in real estate, I think is so important, not just buying your first home, but actually getting into these investments because it just makes things easier when you have that rental income coming in every single month. You're not as stressed out. God forbid something happens with your job. You have that coming in. But I think it's cool. Like real estate is is something we talk about in our family. You know, sometimes we'll drive by certain properties. They're like, Daddy, like, why are we going to this home? Like, oh, it's our other house. And they're like, what do you mean it's our other house? We have a house. Like, oh, we have this house, but somebody else lives in it. Right. So it's cool to like go through that process with the kids. And I mean, we always hear the things that like, hey, real estate creates more millionaires than any other investment right. vehicle. I believe it. You know, real estate alone has helped me, you know, be be successful. Right. Or, um, you know, I, I enjoy it. I think people don't jump into the investment part of it as quickly as enough as they should. I think when you're buying your first home, one thing that I really respect that Ryan did, Ryan was like, oh, I'm looking at this property as one that I can convert into a rental. And right. people want the like the glitz and glamour and have the most perfect home. But then they realize like there are homes that I bought that I couldn't really turn into a rental. Like my current house, I don't really see it as a rental. It's like too much of a liability. It's too big. Right. There's stuff going on. Right. So I think as you're buying your first home, if you're a first time home buyer, think about a year, two, three years from now. Hey, is this going to convert into a good right. rental for me? And can I continue to stack properties that way? Yeah, that's incredible. And I think a lot of people don't think about it or they don't think that they are qualified to be an investor, but yeah. you really can pretty easily. And I, I think for me, that's the biggest thing that I've learned being in real estate, how easy it is, right? right? Like now, you know, if you would have thought it was hard for me to even think about buying my first home. Now, like even as we're talking, it's not like it's like this morning I was looking at homes to buy a second one. Yeah. Um, so where now it's just like, I'll do it. Like it's 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 easy. Well, and I think there's a saying that I've heard several times, like you're you're always paying a mortgage, like whether it's your mortgage or whether it's my mortgage or whether it's the apartment complex's owner's mortgage, you're always paying a mortgage. So do you want it to be yours or do you want it to be somebody else's? Because- I'm going to use that one. I like right? that one. But it's true. Right? It's true. It's, it's exactly. way better than like some of these like other things people say. Like it's a hundred percent, you know, right? It's like you're Zach- always paying a mortgage. But it's like your Zachanisms too, right? Like where like there's uh, there's necessities. I said Zachanisms yesterday to somebody that have a Zachanism. They're like, man, that's the geekiest thing I ever heard you say. <laughs> that's funny. But we're in the shelter business, right? You're always going to need yeah. shelter. Yeah, and you're always going to be paying somebody's mortgage. I love that. So who's Who's is it going to be? Do you want to build your wealth or do you want to build somebody else's wealth? And so for me, I've got four kids. I want to build our wealth so that my four kids have wealth when they come into that time of their life or that they just have the wherewithal to have the responsibility to want to invest in themselves. Because if you don't do it, I don't think a lot of people are going to do it for you. And I also talking about kids and wealth, I think that a really awesome strategy that one of my friends is doing instead of like, I, I'm not doing it, but I'm considering doing it is like every single month I invest in like a 429, you know, uh, college school plan. 
Um, if you buy a property for, I think it's a five twenty. Five two nine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, that's the road. I put I put money I put money into my children's school fund. Yes, but if you buy a property now, an investment property, that home will likely appreciate at a greater amount than you putting money into one of the school funds because the unique thing about real estate is. When you put money into a savings account, you start at zero. So if you put $1,000 a month, you have 12000 at the end of the year, right? But when you buy a piece of real estate and you buy a $400,000 house, okay, your appreciation is on the total asset, not what you put into it every single month. So that 400000 house, if it goces up by 5% every year, that's twenty grand. you are never going to get that rate of a return immediately from just putting money into a regular savings account. But I also think that the average consumer doesn't think that they can qualify for multiple assets. But I think that's where working with a professional saying that you can offset this debt to income ratio because of the rent. Yeah. Just having those conversations with those professionals. You don't have to have rental experience to be able to use projected rental income right. by an investment. Property. And y'all are just completely content having regular conversations about, hey, I'm thinking I want to do this. How do I do this? And it doesn't cost anything. It's a conversation. If you are motivated and curious, come talk to us. We got your back. I think that's the biggest thing. Like if you're motivated and curious, and maybe it's not today that you can execute, but if you don't get on that that plan, plan, you're never going to execute. So I think having those initial conversations with the right people is tremendous for your growth and success. And and if you're a realtor that's listening to this as an example, because I'm sure you have some realtors that are tuning into your podcast, Hopefully. I would 100% recommend shifting your conversations when you're with home buyers, because I think, you know, us as sales professionals, real estate professionals, we're always thinking about the deal in front of us. We're not thinking about the future. I don't know about you, but I need a paycheck a year from now, two years yeah. from now. And you should be having that conversation like that young family we talked about. As I'm showing them through the home, I'm going to be saying things like, hey, what are your goals for future real estate purchases? And I'm going to be planting the seed that, hey, we can make that next transaction happen for you instead of just saying, hey, let's focus on this first home. Well, and I think when that client looks back 10 years from now and thinks, wow, I didn't even think I could buy a home, but my agent, my lender, they got us $35,000. We got this sweet deal. And then we house hacked our way to success and to wealth. And it just changes the trajectory of their financial future for their kids and for their kids' kids. So that is one of my greatest reasons of being in real estate is I get to see people grow and do things that they never thought were possible. And it's not that isolated transaction of I got shelter for today. I built something. Thank you guys so much for being on this with me today. I really appreciate it. Now, you guys have your own podcast, correct? Yes, podcast. (laughs) Yeah, we have multiple. Can you share that information so that other people can tune into a financial podcast? Absolutely. So we've got an amazing podcast called The Fully Funded Podcast, where we talk everything about health, wealth, and lifestyle, and also uh, Ryan has another podcast. I have a well. podcast called The New Rich Podcast, so business mindset and motivation. Uh, super excited. Yeah. So we will share that information below. Make sure you like and subscribe and tune in for the next episode. It's all about adoption. See you guys.